Hello, and welcome to In the Limelight, Vanity Fair's entertainment and pop culture podcast. I'm Josh Duboff, Vanity Fair's senior writer, and I'm here with Julie Miller, Vanity Fair's senior Hollywood writer. On In the Limelight, we analyze the ins and outs of pop culture, entertainment, and celebrity from the past week, from the Kardashians to Kate Middleton and everything in between. This is truly a major episode. A lot of, I feel like we say that every week at this point, so it's kind of lost all of its meaning, but we'll just keep going with it. Actually, I will say, though, that this week, Julie, what? We got a few, at least, DMs saying that they people wanted us to record an emergency episode based on that uh, events we'll talk about that took place over the weekend. So I'm going to say this is a little even, it's a little more rational for us to call this one a particularly major episode. But Megan may have reached her last straw with Tom. There was a big People magazine story that led to Thomas Markle releasing a letter that Megan sent him in August. We'll get into the full back and forth there. Plus, of all improbable people to come to Megan's uh, defense today, George Clooney decided to take some time during a press conference to discuss his feelings about how people are treating Megan. So we will talk about that as well. A lot to get into. Josh, can you imagine having a friend who just is so supportive that he will derail an entire press conference to talk about how much he feels you're being wronged? I cannot. <laughs> I, could, I could only dream of such a situation for either of us, though. Actually, no, I can. I would do it for you. Uh, oh, my goodness. I, okay, would derail, I would derail, like, I don't even, I can't even imagine my own wedding. <laughs> We're also going to discuss the Hollywood reunion of our dreams. I don't think Josh or I saw this coming at all, but it is another reason why we could have probably recorded an emergency episode. It was a really fantastic reunion. But first, let's start with Meghan Markle. For those of you who were not glued to CNN this weekend, you missed a special cameo from our very own Josh Duboff, favorite royal reporter who spoke on this very subject. Yeah, they CNN ran a package over the weekend about this People magazine cover story that was one of the bigger, I guess, royal stories. And it's very unprecedented, I would say. Basically, five of Meghan's friends spoke uh, to People magazine about sort of what they see as this quote-unquote global bullying of Meghan. And they feel like this isn't good for her and her baby, one of them says. Um, they're worried about what it's doing to her and the emotional trauma. But very kind of essentially here, these five women all remained anonymous. They give you these kind of descriptors of who they all are. So you can kind of do some like patchwork guesswork. There's a longtime friend. So you're not really getting much from these descriptions. <laughs> There's a longtime friend, <laughs> a former co-star, probably a Suits cast member, one would think. A friend from L.A. who may or may not be Julie Miller, um, a one-time colleague, and a close confidant. So you're not really getting much from these descriptions, but that's how people identify as the five uh, characters here. How vague. And is this how scared these people are of like the possible Tom Markle repercussions that that was the most they were willing to, to well, give? And it's interesting. I feel like we need to get into this after we kind of go through quickly what they said about Megan. I feel like I don't know if you agree with me on this, but 
if they were going to go ahead and try to defend Megan publicly and they really felt like what they've been watching is so upsetting to watch and they really wanted to defend their friend and that's the kind of, you know, you can understand why they would feel that way. There's been so much written about her, so much said about her. I feel like if they hadn't been anonymous, it would have had so much more impact because I feel like this... I don't know. So many of the stories that they're kind of critiquing are based on anonymous sourcing. So for it to just be the like inverse of that, where now we're getting sort of glowing positive things about Megan, but also from anonymous sourcing, it somehow like to me doesn't have the impact it would have. It it could have had so much of an impact, I feel like. It almost makes it seem like these women are ashamed of their friendship with Megan or why aren't they willing to speak on the record about what a wonderful person Megan is? It says in the People piece that the reason they were granted anonymity was to like maintain their own privacy. There were, I don't know, I guess they didn't want to have to put themselves out there on this kind of stage. I mean, there's also kind of, there was a a lot of follow-ups related to, you know, meta commentaries on this strategy of discussing her. And I think... There was, I think I saw one write-up that was kind of making the point that, um, you know, the palace, I guess, it seems like based on sourcing, didn't even really know until it was about to come out that this was happening. And the palace usually has a, like, no-comment policy and that this is the sort of thing that actually ends up just kind of fanning the flames, which it actually did in this case because Thomas just went on to release a letter to defend himself. So I almost wonder if this was, like, really thought through or if it was sort of impulsive Right. If that were me, I would get my name out there. I would have a billboard up on Sunset Boulevard or something, so I would be in contention to be a godparent, right? (laughs) Yes. I mean, I just... The piece starts out... First of all, it's structured as, like... I didn't realize this until I bought the print edition of People, but it's structured like an oral history style, so they actually give you, like, the chunks of quotes from each of these five people, and they're referred to by what I just what I just called them at the beginning. So it's like friend from LA, like colon, and then whatever they said. And then they kind of like, it's like almost as if, I don't know, we're talking about like the 10 year anniversary of a TV show or something. It's just like very weird the way it's formatted. And then, and they're all like opining on these like various aspects of Megan's life. But the lead is about her longtime friend saying that she was staying with Megan and she saw these boxes of hand warmers in her cottage, and she asked Meg uh, what they were for, and Megan says that it's because she wants to have them on hand so that when it's a cold day, she can run them out to the guards at their posts. I was gripped from the start, because how could you not? And that's like, there's nothing that's going to lure me more than this hand warmers anecdote. But this is like from the beginning, you just see what they're... It's like almost like a... It feels very, very designed here. Like, it's like you knew exactly what they were trying to communicate. They had these kind of things about Megan, the diva demands, the that she's this kind of crazy boss, all the things we've been talking about on this podcast that all the various reports have said. Um, and they were like, we need to come up with these, like, anecdotes. Like, I almost feel like Olivia Pope was involved here, you know? Oh, my God. I am imagining that, like cordoned off the boardroom, all the windows with shades covering them. They needed like, some sort of color. I mean, Julie, do you feel like this is a strategy that makes any sense? I I don't know. I just, a lot of this to me felt like it was interesting and it was, there's, I mean, we'll get into some of the, there's some things I didn't know necessarily. Like they go into how spiritual she is and um, there's some aspects of like uh, what it's like to visit her that were interesting to me, but it just feels like the strategy is confusing to me. 
Sorry, can I interrupt for a second? My postmate is calling me. They came very late. Hello. Hi, this is your postmate. Thank you. Oh, kind of great, great. Can you just leave it in that little lobby area? Julie with this fur shawl and then having her postmate come, I feel like you're like it's very Devil Wears Prada or something right now. I am bringing some crazy energy. I haven't eaten for like 10 hours, so this is going to be a wild, wild ride. Um, no, the strategy is so distracting that I'm not even able to really concentrate on the actual content of, of this feature. And I... And I don't know if it's just because we clearly study these articles. I don't know if it distracted from what the message know, the, about what they're trying to get across. Right. So let's just run through quickly some of the things that these friends had to say. So they um they wanted to make clear that Samantha and Thomas Jr., our favorite half siblings, were never a part of Megan's life. And they said they made a point of saying, which you know Samantha is gonna love, that she and Megan have quote, no relationship. They said that Megan called Tom about the paparazzi photos story because, as we all remember, shortly before the wedding, it was revealed that he had paid or arranged for um, like a paparazzi photographer to get photos of him in various situations. But the friends maintained that Megan still wanted him to come to London, but he wouldn't take her calls, wouldn't take Harry's calls, and that she tried to reach him after his heart attacks and couldn't get an answer from him. And eventually, Megan sent him a letter asking him not to communicate via the media. And per these friends, he wrote back a response in which he asked for a photo op. Um, And the quote that they, uh, one of the friends who was recounting this said was, it's as if there are ships passing, and that was like the final straw for Megan. Julie, doesn't this feel like the kind of thing we would have joked about, that Thomas literally responded to her with a letter asking for a photo op? Like, this did ring true, I guess, to me, that this feels like what actually happened but it's just so interesting that this is her way of telling us i mean you have to assume right that she authorized these five anonymous friends to speak to people magazine so she clearly wanted this story about her dad to get communicated um but it's it's so like uh circuitous like i wish she could have just sat down with oprah and had it all out there and i guess she can't do that she can't have her social media, but it's like, this is such a kind of convoluted way to kind of explain what happened. Exactly. I wish that they could have just provided some sort of receipt, yes. as the kids call it, some sort of like hard evidence, some email, some voicemail, the request for this photo op that would be a little bit more conclusive. But I feel like so far, this just raises more questions than it Yeah, like you're, you're left wanting lot, a lot more detail as ever. Um, they said Megan's really upset about all of this. She's always been the dutiful daughter. Then they get into some of the most famous kind of tabloid reported stories about Megan. Uh, one of the friends actually says, quote, she never threw a fit about a tiara or asked for a fragrance to be sprayed in a church. This made me realize that Megan clearly knows everything that's written about her. Because I feel like if these friends are so attuned to even the level of detail of that they know about the fragrance spraying and the church story, which got, you know, got a good amount of traction, but like they're very much like in the weeds with this stuff, I feel like. And then one of the, the LA friend, we don't know who it is, says when she visited Megan, Megan made her her meals, put candles and cookies by her bed 
and wiped off her dogs when they came in and were all like wet. She's so down to earth. Julie, if you visited Megan and it was this low key and you were just getting like the rustic cottage experience, wouldn't you be a little disappointed? Like I was almost thinking to myself, like I would have expected if I was visiting Megan that you would get like the five course meals made for you by the chefs of town or whatever. Right. What do you call it when you get some psych ward to involuntarily check you in? Like the I would 5150 almost, or whatever? I would have wanted to get a 5150 in on <laughs> Megan. I would have thought that she lost it. Like, she's a duchess. I would have told her. I would have taken away mm-hmm. that rag she was using to wipe down my dog, and I would have tossed it into the fireplace never again. I would have sat her down with, like, a slideshow and showed her how she should be acting, Right. A hundred percent. I, I, I feel like we've both said this before, but it's like, she has everything in her disposal. Like, why not? I mean, you know, it's nice to keep some semblance of normalcy, of course, but like, this is a rare position in life where you could have a chef and a butler. I mean, I, I, these details coming up, I just want to preface are so good. (laughs) My favorite bullet included here is this one. She paints her own nails. I feel like one of the friends made a point of saying that. And I thought that was such a weird specific detail that I wrote it down. Also, I'm guessing that this came from the friend in L.A. because only like the friend in L.A. would think like that was such a sign that she's for the people of the people that she's painting her own nails. Yeah, like I was trying to think about like, why is that even exactly? And then this is all a direct quote. She writes her own remarks like when she goes to make appearances and many of Harry's, they do it together. I was thought that was interesting, the inclusion of and many of Harry's. So she's kind of Cyrano de Bergeriacking his speeches too. <laughs> um, not only is she writing her own. Your use of that as a verb just floored me. Have you ever used that before? <laughs> no, I don't know where it came from. Uh, this is really, this story is really bringing out, because then, I mean, wait until these next couple of little items. One of the friends notes that she, I just don't even know how this is real, ordered an ice cream and sorbet stand for the office staff and says it was the best day that that staff had, the day that Megan ordered the ice cream and sorbet stand, which like I guess is a nice <laughs> gesture, but I was just confused about why that would go over so intensely well. And then I love this quote. Someone said, forget the fact of who she's married to. She's always been royalty to us. Which looks like that definitely, like whoever thought of that immediately wrote it down to their iPhone notes. Like it was such a good line. And then this is the one I really want, like the seven part docuseries on. One of the friends made a point of throwing in there, Megan is wicked funny. Julie, does does that strike you as aligned with the Megan we've seen at all these appearances? I was kind of surprised. Josh, this is so wild. If you, okay, if you had the chance to either not defend yourself after, from months and months of critical reports like this, or let this super squad of anonymous friends handle your, I guess, PR resurrection quotes and air quotes, would you let them? Uh, Here's the thing. So I love the place it comes from. Like, I guess... (laughs) (laughs) that I always think it's crazy that she can't speak out. Like, it seems so unnatural. It doesn't feel in any way sort of, like, normal or modern that she has to just kind of, like, let all this stuff slide right off. I get that it comes with the territory, but it just seems always strange to me. I just feel like this way of doing it... 
Yeah, it's just what we've been saying before, but it's like it just doesn't. It's almost like you're you're opening up Pandora's box. You're giving all these ways to like get Thomas Markle now to feel like he can jump back into the fray when he had kind of been out of it. Yeah, you're adding to the story in ways where it might have just been able to pass by. But I get the impulse. That's why I'm a little torn. Also, now are these five friends going to be like called back out of the bullpen in six months when there's like another round of stories? I don't know. It just it feels like it's setting an odd precedent that this is sort of maybe going to be something that happens repeatedly or... I don't know. It just—it's sort of a, a an odd way. I'd almost—I would have loved it if like Doria had given an a interview with Oprah. Maybe like that could have been a way to try to address some of this. Honestly, right. we'll get to George Clooney in a second, but like I almost prefer that where it's like someone on the record, not anonymous, like, ma- right. like s- explaining how they feel about something. I don't know. This just it seems a little bit like convoluted the way the the way it was communicated. So Thomas Markle almost on cue i feel like it even happened quicker than i might have thought i think maybe three or four days after the uh people magazine story leaked the letter that was referred to there's no way we could get into every aspect of this it was a five-page letter it's written in megan's trademark quote elegant script a very severe script i was startled by (laughs) it All those letters are tilted at like a hard 45 degree angles, right? Like there was clearly a lot of tension in her body when she was writing that that letter. Wouldn't you say, uh, oh, Josh? Oh, completely. I mean, I just was also, does it surprise you at all she wrote a handwritten, like, did they not email? Something about this felt very like 1990s or something. The whole like way it, this all went down. I could see Megan dipping a little quill into an <laughs> ink pot. <laughs> And like and and using a string, you know those when people when you get like a wedding invitation and it's like there's a way that the envelope is folded together with like a little um, seal. I feel like she had like some right. sort of like golden seal that she affixed. A little to it. wax, yeah, right. some wax going on, a hundred percent. Um, so I'm really not sure. I get still why Thomas. I never can like trying to understand Thomas's motives is as a losing battle. <laughs> But this letter was just, like, not the kind of thing you can imagine a father wanting to release. Like, just even considering their strained relationship, I was shocked that he wanted to release this. Right. This is just, I guess, the most evidence we have of maybe his distorted mental process because it's all kind of a character assassination of him. <laughs> right. But- that that's, that's where I got so confused. Like, I read the excerpts and I was like, yeah, Megan, right. Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't really exonerate him in any way. Like, he tries to frame it as if somehow we're supposed to get from this that she wasn't really... Because in the People magazine story, the way that the letters portrayed is that almost she was trying to bridge a gap between them or kind of be conciliatory... And he's trying to act like, well, no, look, this letter is kind of like cold. It's like, yeah, obviously it's not going to be, you know. And also we're only getting little excerpts from it. So it's hard to judge also the whole package. Well, that's the most chilling detail. They said that he only released this one or leaked this page Mm -hmm. because it was the most flattering. There were even more incriminating details in the other parts of it. Anytime you get excerpts like this where you're not getting the whole thing and it's just like you can't really judge he says that the stuff about him not trying to text or get in touch isn't true. He says he sent Megan and Harry a text telling them he wasn't coming. It was too dangerous after his heart attacks, I guess, to get in touch. 
he says that in the part where it's about if I, I guess the question of if he asked Megan for money, he says he only asked for help to move houses and that any modest financial gifts from Megan are greatly appreciated. Throwing that modest in there, I thought was like kind of insane. And then he says he didn't stop answering my phone. I was in the hospital with a heart attack. And then, Julie, my favorite detail, I think, is that he includes an excerpt in which Megan says something about going down the rabbit hole. And he says, I have no idea what this means. This is pure hairy. Americans don't use the rabbit hole expression. So I guess he's trying to use this as like evidence that Harry's brainwashing him because she uses the expression rabbit hole, which isn't an American expression unless I'm going crazy, which is fully possible. I wouldn't love this, but there is some part of me that would love if Netflix gave Tom Markle kind of the Ted Bundy treatment and gave him like a 10 episode Uh investigation to where was he actually? What were his motives? No, what is none of this makes sense? None of it makes sense. I feel like he. It's, it, it, I've because, used the rabbit hole, right? Right, we've all used. <laughs> oh my god, the, the documentary should be called "Down the Rabbit Hole: Colon the Thomas Markle Tapes" oh. or story. I think this is sort of maybe what we were getting at before, but the fact that this is playing out so publicly and we're in the nitty gritty of these details about like who sent what texts and like who said this about this rabbit hole or like this hand warmer or like I don't know, it just it feels like we're getting too many details and too in the weeds. It's messy. It just feels a little bit stressful. It's way too late for this kind of tit-for-tat de- like explanation or defense. Yes. I don't even really know what to say. It's kind of just upsetting. Also, this is a good point to note. There's so much Royals news this week. We didn't, couldn't even put this in the script, but there's going to be a new Lifetime movie with... Uh, like, this I guess, is breaking news for me. <laughs> what? Julie's eyes just widened in a way that makes me wish I could tell her something that excited her that much every day. <laughs> to please someone that much and excite them. Um, but yeah, there's going to be a new... A part two already, which Julie... I mean, we've been covering the entertainment industry for a while. Do you ever remember two Lifetime movies being given to the same rip from the headlines celebrity story within like a year? Um no, what's it? What did we do? <laughs> but this is pretty tragic. To deserve these blessings. This is pretty tragic. This came from the TCAs, I guess, because Lifetime said they're recasting Harry and Meghan, and I think we both agree. We thought they were both great, fantastic. Yeah, like that. Especially that Meghan was such a ringer for the real Meghan. They were, looked very similar, and she was a great actress. Really fun on Twitter. So I'm. I, I wish she could play Meghan again. Me too. We need to get to the bottom of this. I imagine it's going to be about the first year of their yeah, marriage. Yeah, so it's going to be about like their royal life. But I wonder if, I mean, you know that the Thomas Markle drama is going to be a big plot point in the in the second Lifetime movie, right? Because I feel like that's been such an overwhelming story. Can you imagine being an actor in L.A. who was brought in to audition to play Tom Markle? Oh, my God. Can you please, can you please, please, please pitch? Or even if, like, you don't write it, just go to the casting of Thomas Markle. Like, there's nothing I want to see more than a photo of, like, the 80 men who go in to try to play Thomas Markle. Like, what is that like? I actually want to see the casting call for every Samantha Markle. I want to see the for the new Megan. Can you imagine? There should be a reality show to cast the new Megan. Oh, I mean, they really need this on the case. Well, I guess to close this this 
chapter of the script. Josh, what are you feeling about Megan? Do you have more sympathy for her or less after the situation? And same question about Tom. Ooh, this is like on, on trial at a court case. <laughs> <laughs> same question about Tom. Um, after the People magazine thing, I was sort of feeling confused and a little bit frustrated with sort of the method of uh, their communicating. Uh, but after Tom released the letter, like, I just, I'm so done with Tom. Like, this just isn't, I knew he was going to do it. It still came as such an annoyance. It's like, just let her, let it go. Like, I feel like now he's, I feel like we've said this eight times, so maybe I'll take this back, but I feel like now he's completely lost any chance of reconciling with her. And I don't know. It's just so like every time she, she stepped out for an appearance today, I think, and um, at like the natural history museum with Harry and every single write up I saw like on the daily mail and people was about like amidst like, f- like, you know, feuding with father. Like, I don't know. Just, it's overwhelms everything she does. So I feel bad for her in that way. I feel like if she sat down with like some sympathetic, great, like Anderson Cooper, Robin Roberts, like, I don't know, someone that like could really right. just like dig into things with her. I feel like that would be great. I, think I know. That, let's just like get it head on. Like enough with these kind of like little anecdotes from behind the scenes, you know? Right. It's really bizarre that the palace hasn't already arranged that. They can definitely find a journalist who isn't going to turn the tables and yeah. ask her hard questions. I feel like at this point, it's like just going to be helpful for everyone for her to get stuff out there. Also, so let's talk about George Clooney quickly before we move on to the other celebrity news that we must discuss that is equally as shocking, maybe. Um, but this was a, he was appearing at a TCA Television Critics Association panel, right? Yes, for his new Hulu show, Catch 22, which I didn't even really under I didn't know he was in it, but I guess he's in it. So, but it's referred to as an international press conference. Is that, I don't that know. That checks out. I'm sure there were. <laughs> So this is the transcript. Should, should we should we each be one part yes, here? Okay. Yes. Do you want yes. do you want to be George Clooney or do you want to be the no, journalist? Y- I'll be the journalist. Okay. Okay, so keep in mind that they he is on stage with maybe 15 other crew mm-hmm. and cast members. This is about like an actual TV show. He is there for a business reason. Also, I would think that if there were any personal questions lobbed at him, they would not be about Meghan Markle. Agreed. Okay. And George, can you just tell us what your next project is, if you can, and that we understand that godfathering is in the works. The godfather of the royals. Apparently, I'm going to be the godfather of the royals. Apparently? What do you mean? By the way, I do want to say, I just saw this piece. They're just chasing Meghan Markle everywhere. She's been pursued and vilified. She's a woman who is seven months pregnant, and she's being pursued and vilified and chased in the same way that Diana was. And it's history repeating itself. And we've seen how that ends. I can tell you how frustrating it is to see that just because picking a letter from a daughter to her father and broadcasting, I never, she's getting a raw deal here. And I just think it's irresponsible. And I'm so surprised by that, but that's off on a different tangent. So are you going to be Uncle George? (laughs) No, no. I'm now a father of twins. I've got enough shit. Literally, literally. Wow, that was like Golden Globe real uh, Oh my gosh, for your consideration. <laughs> I loved your journalist, your take on the quote-unquote journalist too. I really felt like I understood her whole backstory. Um, I started out really strong. Reading, reading that, it's a very awkward back and forth, no? 
<laughs> I know. I kind of was expecting him to have come right out of the gate. He waited until she asked a follow-up question about the royals to get into it. Right, but it's almost... Our transcript that Julie and I have begins with this kind of odd question of how we understand that godfathering is in the works. Like, I'm curious what the question was right before that. Because that's a weird... I feel like TCAs, you don't usually get stuff like this that often, right? No, and I love that the journalists kind of don't even care about what he's saying about, like, the media, tra- media trashing Megan. They just want to know, Godfather or not. Godfather or not, he- like, that follow-up is so weird to me. Also, I mean, no, I guess we're all both right. Aren't we both used to this? Like, I feel like a celebrity of his magnitude commenting so freely on another famous person is very unusual. I feel like this is this is the kind of thing that usually gets shut down or like, you know, next questioned or I don't know. It doesn't feel like especially at an unrelated press event. Like this isn't part right. of a magazine profile he's doing for Esquire or Vanity Fair or something. Right. And George is so charming and quick, he could have just immediately turned Diffused that back. It. Yeah. Exactly. But it it seems to me almost like he wanted to make a point of sort of defending Megan and stressing how bad things have gotten. Are you surprised though that he went to the? I was. It was. It's. It's a chilling comment. And we've seen how that ends. Like he's bringing Diana's death into this. No, I was just kind of the fact that he brought it there. It's you know he obviously knows well what it's like to be chased by the paparazzi and what it feels like to be in this this position. So, and he knows Megan and Harry, but. It's an intense comment. I don't feel like I've seen anyone say something like that quite drawing it together in that way. Right. I get the sense that maybe he and Amal were having a very kind of passionate conversation about this over dinner a few mm-hmm. nights ago. Mm-hmm. It, uh, I, I know what you mean. There's something about it that feels like he was just talking to someone about this. Right. It's the Diana of it all. That's the first time she's kind of been invoked in this In this, this way. way, yeah. I feel like this is better in terms of like changing the conversation about Megan than anything that happened in the People magazine story. Like even even just this one quote. Yeah, keep your anonymous hand warmer quotes. We've got George Clooney on the case. Yeah, we've got George Clooney just coming right in and saying this. By the way, I really want to send you a box of hand warmers <laughs> so you can just keep them at the door and tell people you just have them on hand in case you have to run out to rush them to anyone. All right. Well, that's like, I feel like this is quite the Megan. I feel like our listeners are going to have a lot of thoughts on all this. I'm very curious to hear what people think. Our favorite UK correspondent, Helen, called in with a few thoughts on Megan, Kate Middleton's cheesy pasta revelation from last week, the letter that Tom leaked, and also some very exciting news about a family member. Hi, it's Helen from London calling. Hope you're well. couple of things. Firstly, yes. Cheesy pasta is macaroni cheese. We just don't really tend to call it that here, and it's my nephew's, four-year-old nephew's favorite thing in the world. Um, I just love that Kate is bringing the children up, having those really normal foods and cooking with them. She's amazing. Um, The next thing I wanted to call out, I'm sure you're going to talk about it, oh, my gosh, this letter that Megan wrote to her father that's now all over the press. I just think it's so sad, and it's just the end of the road that he's felt the need to release that. But... I just can't even get past the calligraphy handwriting of Megan. Oh, my God. It's just a sight to behold. And every time I try and read the content, I'm just just distracted by the script. I think it's amazing. But I am just, just feel, feel so bad for her. And I really hope this, this is 
the last word here from Thomas. And then the final thing I want to let you guys know, super exciting, in a few months, I'm going to be going to Buckingham Palace. So my dad's been honoured in the New Year's list with an MBE, um, which means we get to go as a family to the palace, him to receive his medal. You know, you see photos of people getting their knighthood and their dames. It's a similar thing, but so kind of diff- there are different levels within that. And we'll find out a couple of weeks before he'll be presenting him with the medal and who else might be there at the time. And we're so, so proud. And also, I just cannot wait to tell you guys all about it, going behind the scenes in this kind of private event. So super exciting. Um, and in the meantime, love you guys and chat soon. Take care from London. Bye now. Thank you, Helen. Congratulations to your dad. This is so exciting. We will be watching, listening, waiting by our voicemail, intensely waiting for any sort of update. Helen's updates are like so nourishing. I love them. It really gives us that UK perspective, which we need. Uh, um, We got a great email from Sandrine. She said, here's a thought to hash over the next time. I believe Meghan Markle knew full well that the letter she wrote her father would make its way out into the world, and that's why she wrote it. She wanted it to come out so she could set the record straight, or at least her version of the record, whatever the actual truth is. Some parts, in my mind, are very strangely expressed, unless you think that they are being said for a wider audience to hear. And the two quotes she pulls out to reflect this are, this you know... And in discussing Samantha, quote, a woman I hardly know. The woman I hardly know did stand out to me because when I read that excerpt in the Daily Mail thing, I thought how weird that she's telling, like Tom would know that they don't know each other. So it did seem weird. I love that you and Sandrine are looking at this letter with the same, I guess, lens as some sort of detective pouring over a kidnap, a ransom letter. Like, that wording seems a little particular. But also I also for, think I you guys... true detective. Like, this is, like, not... Um, exactly. I feel like it needed that level of scrutiny, though, because it's such a confusing situation. I do feel like Sandrine is on to something, I don't know if she wrote it thinking 100% it was going to be leaked. You would hope your dad wouldn't do that. But you have to assume, at least as a base, you have to think it's possible it's going to be leaked. Right. Yes, I completely agree with that. And aside from the wording, I would again also point to just the chilling 45-degree angle on that writing. It's almost like she was using a protractor or something. Okay, let us move on to... I'm, like, shaken up by this celebrity news. I don't know if others are, or you are, Julie. (laughs) I'm excited. Anyway, this is the perfect royal palate cleanser. I feel like you've definitely seen photos... But on Saturday night, Jennifer Aniston hosted a 50th birthday party for herself at the Sunset Tower in Los Angeles. Josh and I have been there. Haven't we been there together? Yes. Is it in that back dining room where we ate dinner once? Yes. I, I, I feel like this is, a, to give some context, this is a very CNBC-seen place to have a birthday party, right? I mean, like, this is the kind right. of restaurant where... The last time I went there for dinner, Dakota Johnson was at one table. Jamie Dornan was at another. They met up in the middle. I feel like the night we went, someone was there. I feel like there's always celebrities there. Right. Very old school. Vanity Fair used to host its Oscar party there. I think celebrities like it in part because it's so dark inside. You almost Mm. need a headlamp to see where you're going. But so Jennifer Aniston hosted this 
George Clooney and Amal were there, Ellen De- as were Ellen DeGeneres, Laura Dern, Robert Downey Jr., Kate Hudson, Demi Moore, Gwyneth Paltrow, Keith Richards, just asterisk that name because we need to get back to it in a second, Barbara Streisand and Reese Witherspoon. And then who shows up at the driveway but Brad Pitt in his custom, like, trademark little newsboy cap, and he just walks in. I was very surprised. I know. What was your reaction? It was... I don't know. I feel like it's been your... I feel like over the past, like, decade, I've been so immune to the, like, uh, National Enquirer-style Brad and Jen reunite or Brad and Jen doing this. And I feel like after Angelina and Brad split up, there was a lot of, like, that kind of reporting from the less, uh, you know, reliable tabloids. So I just kind of never... I don't know. I feel like there was nothing to make you think that they were still in touch or that there was actually anything legitimate to it. And so it almost felt like surreal to me, <laughs> not not to not to make too much of it, but like I don't know, it just was so I was very surprised. I, I right, I didn't even know they were still in touch. Right, there's a definitely a, a kind of a boy who called wolf mm-hmm. uh, reaction to me. Mm-hmm. Just I I didn't believe it at first, but these sources spoke to people, and I love all the quotes. I feel like they did a slightly better job than Megan's friends did um, providing. Details. One says, Brad and Jen have a very civil relationship. He would not have been asked to come to the party if it weren't the case. It was a big night for Jen. I love how <laughs> low-key they make it seem. Oh, yeah. This, this makes it seem like me stopping by, like, a co-worker's happy hour, like, in between dinner and the gym. Like, <laughs> like oh, just happened to... like. It, this is the weirdest framing that I feel like these uh, publicists must have been trying to do after, like, to, I don't know, like, mitigate the story. Right. It makes Jen Jennifer Anderson seem like some sort of Hall of Fame champion because not only was it a big deal, but once Brad Pitt was inside, they make it seem like, oh, sh- she barely even cared. I know. Another quote from the source. Jen spoke to Brad briefly, an onlooker <laughs> told Us Weekly. At one point, she hugged him and thanked him for coming. I mean... Like, can you imagine Brad Pitt showing up at your birthday party and you just, like, hug him briefly and then move on? And thanked him for coming. Like, thanks, Brad. Like, and then on to uh, Katy Perry. Like, what? <laughs> like, I, yeah. So, conspiracy theorist in me, Sandrine coming, Ooh. the Sandrine in me. Do you feel like there's any possibility that they are nervous about... I don't know that they don't want this, that there actually is something going on and that that's why they're going out of their way to leak these quotes about how like low key it all was. Cause you think this is almost like a doc protest too much thing, not to get too excited about the possibility of them being closer than whatever people think or that there's anything happening, but just kind of weird to me that they're going overboard to make us think that they like are like, didn't they barely talked. Right. It it is strange that they would go to those lengths just because for Brad, like the bold George Clooney level public display of affection he shows for Jen, as George did for Megan, was showing up at this party to begin mm-hmm. with. Like he mm-hmm. he could have sensed what are those people who sing who come and serenade you for your birthday party? I don't know. He could have sensed something. Like a singing telegram, mariachi band? <laughs> What world am I in? 
Anyway, let's. I'm let's loving. Look I'm loving that visual, <laughs> like him sending like a singing a group of like out of the work Friends actors in LA to sing <laughs> the Friends theme song to Jen. Also, there's a lot of layers to the invite list here because I feel like I need to get out my um, like Homeland style string uh, wall because Gwyneth Paltrow also dated Brad Pitt and <laughs> Jennifer Aniston's other ex, John Mayer, was there. And he dated Katy Perry, who was there with Orlando Bloom. There's just like a lot of exes right. and people who once dated or now, I don't know, just it was so many permutations of things, which is kind of like, I was wondering if people were like avoiding a lot, if there's a lot of like different sections or this person can't be here at the same time this person is. Did people get different um, call times for the party? Like the way the Vanity Fair Oscar party is? <laughs> like I feel right. like, you know... That would stress me out so much. Jen must have some sort of amazing CBD product that she was just like not bothered by who might or might not be like ruffled feather-wise. Okay, and I hate to ask this, but what do you think Angelina makes of all of this? I love it because I picture some sort of like in the Disney version of this, there would be a cutaway to her just fuming and scheming in like At her tower. Organic, like st- right. stomping around that organic dog park. Like, <laughs> like smoking an herbal cigarette or something. Right, like wearing right. all black, like just trying to like work through this in her head. Right, how is she going to top the dog park? And the fact that they topped her so quickly after what Mm. we were heralding as, like, the best gossip (laughs) item of all time. I know. The the Granite Dog Park is in our rear view mirror now. Um, (sighs) I'm also just... I have to say one caveat about all this is I looked through... I'm proud to say, not, I was not embarrassed, uh, like an 89 slides, just Jared slideshow of Jennifer Aniston's party. But it's the most blurry. Did you look at these photos? Like long lens. It's like people going into that driveway at Sunset Tower, but it's like not, you can't really see anyone's face. It's just these weird sort of like blurry, the backs of people as they're walking in. And it's, hypnotic because it's like you get weird details like Orlando and Katie showed up in a motorcycle uh, on motor- like her on the back and then like Reese Witherspoon comes out looking a little worse for wear um, and like there's this like kind of weird details like you almost get the sense none of them knew they were being photographed but then Brad you don't get oh. his face at all I'm sure you saw this like you only see the newsboy cap but it's bizarre it's like such zaprooter footage it's like, it's like really blurry and I'm just trying to like try to figure out where these photographers were set up. Like, were they across the street of Sunset Boulevard? Like, I don't even understand how this happened. Oh, interesting. Because at the Chateau Marmont, there's usually like a horde of paparazzi. But at Sunset Tower, I guess partly because that stretch of sunset is so crowded, like, you don't see that. Right. I don't know. So what do you think? Do we th- do, do we feel like they'll we'll hear more on this front? Like, will they be seen, like, getting a sushi lunch at some point soon? Or, like, is this going to be the end of it? I hope it's not the end of it. But what would be your ideal? Uh, I, hate, I, like, don't... Kn- I know nothing about their emotional states right now. <laughs> I say that as if it's, like, a surprise that I don't. Um, but... I don't know. It'd be so. It'd be, I, there's this part of me that thinks it'd be so fun if they got back together. I'm sure they're not going to. 
I know, right? But it just would be fun. Oh, also, we should talk. Oh, you have it in here, too. Justin Theroux <laughs> also posted about her. Well, right. Yes. I would love if they got back together or else they had, like, a fun Grace and Frankie situation. Like, they had to move in together and be roommates. <laughs> oh, I see. Like, just I, like I'd pals. almost prefer. Right, right, right. And, you know, it's funny with them because I always felt like... When they were together, they seemed like ba- like best pals. You know what I mean? Like it did. Right. It had that feel to it where you kind of really saw their like vibe being this like LA, like I don't know, like very chill, uh, like hang by the pool sort of like glam, but like low key glam couple. And then he went in such a different direction with Angelina, obviously. But I do see them being very like spiritually aligned. Like I always felt that way. Right. Well, it's interesting, these other quotes, it makes it seem like Brad just escaped a cult or something. The way they describe him reconnecting with all of his old friends. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Oh, also, he must have talked to George, probably. Right. I heard that he did most of the talking. Most of his talking was to George, his Ocean's Mm. Eleven co-star. The source revealed that other guests were surprised to see Brad there and were making a big deal of it. But Jennifer was nonplussed. It didn't seem like that big of a deal to Jen. The invite was out to a ton of people, and he accepted. She was happy he was there, but that was it. She was busy making the rounds and excited to see so many people near and dear to her. I love that they make a point of saying the invite went out to a ton of people, and he accepted as if he's at the same importance of, you know, any other given person who was at this party. Keith Richards. How does Keith Richards know Jennifer <laughs> no, Aniston? No, Jennifer Aniston. I was wondering that too. There was a few people where I was like, like if Katy Perry and Jennifer Aniston ever struck you as close, like I was just like, there was a few cases of this where I was like wondering how what the connections were. Right. I love that Courtney Cox and Lisa Kudrow were there. So um, sweet. None of the male friends though, huh? No, she said the important people in her life gathered to celebrate with her. It is Brad weird. fit it into that group, and it was natural he would come. I saw one of the commentated one of the stories about this act, like, oh, she wanted. It's like normally, like when you have your, when you turn fifty, you want all the people that were important to you to come. Like it doesn't have anything to do with where they are now. And I was thinking that's not like really how this usually works. Like you don't you invite people to your birthday that like you're on in a good place with at that time. I feel like right. I mean. Um. So that's what also makes me feel like there's something else going on. It was also pretty public. Like, I feel like if they wanted to, like, celebrate her birthday, they could have done, like, a low-key private lunch or something. But he came to her birthday party knowing he would be seen. Right. I mean, I love the gesture, especially I feel like he knew that it would anger Angelina on some level. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I can't wait to see what the next permutations of this tale are. All right, that does it for this week's episode of In the Limelight. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, Please remember to check us out on Apple Podcasts, rate, review, all of that. It really helps us find new listeners and get the word out there. You can also reach out and leave us a voicemail at 347-790-0966. Also feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at In the Limelight or follow us individually. I'm at Julie W. Miller. And I'm at Jay Dupoff. We're also on Instagram at In the Limelight Pod. This episode was edited and produced by Brett Fuchs. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. And until then, no no bad bad energy. energy.